0: What up AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. We like to drop these in between our full episodes because our full episodes are video shows and in fact, if you listen to our podcast on Spotify, you can see the video right there for our full episodes, which are video episodes where we have super dope guests and multiple headlines and, and shout outs and a lot of dope editing and graphics and all that stuff in those full video episodes. So you can check those out on your Spotify app or going over to our YouTube channel. Um, but in between those, because it takes a while to edit all that, we drop these passing periods where it's just myself, Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher, along with Jeff. And we uh, talk about different headlines that perhaps didn't make it into our most recent full episodes. And, in fact, before before I ask Jeff how he's doing, I, I, I just want to shout out Heidi, one of our listeners, who went over to our YouTube channel and left a super dope comment, very, very... Um, Very uplifting comment for us. And she wrote that, quote, I love your podcast. I've been listening to you for a little over a year, but wanted to share some love on YouTube. I'm a middle school literacy specialist and look forward to your take on everything happening. This is my 20th year in the classroom. The last couple of years have been crazy, but your podcast has helped me stay sane. Yes. Thank you, Heidi, so much for the love. Jeff, do you realize that? She's a listener. She listens to the podcast, but knowing that we have the video on YouTube, she clicked over to our YouTube channel to leave some love there because those YouTube streets can be can be quite cold, Jeff. Quite cold out there on the YouTube. Quite cold. Yes, indeed. Frigid, indeed. And and I believe uh,
1: Minnesota in January out there in the YouTube comments. For real,
0: (laughs) and and I believe she also contributed. And supported our show. And and just that's a that's the combo, Jeff. That's the combo. She listens to the podcast. She went, she left a comment on the YouTubes. And I believe she contributed a little bit to our uh, financial support to keep this show running. So shout out to Heidi and everybody else who has uh, helped us out and contributed. Uh, Jeff, that's a nice combo, ain't it? It's a great combo. I want to second the uh, the shout out
1: there to Heidi. We we see you, we appreciate you very much. And uh, Manuel, I'm also going to add. We had a, another member of the ALTA family who um, who gave us some some love. Uh, you know, in the Twitter verse uh, this week, we got a shout out Emily's son. Um, Emily, uh, so Manuel, this is gonna also reveal that I'm just old in many ways right here. (laughs) So I still use Pandora,
0: which I get clowned for all the time. I didn't even know they still had Pandora. (laughs) I didn't even know that was still like there. Okay. Oh,
1: it's humming along. And, and I have many a good playlist on Pandora that I just don't want to abandon. Okay, So I just have the like free Spotify account. So I don't really use Spotify and I don't get to do all the cool Spotify stuff. But whatever Spotify is doing right now where everybody is sharing their like top songs and artists of the year and all yeah. that stuff, whatever that's called because I'm Spotify old and I don't wrapped. know. Spotify Wrapped, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> so so moving on from my oldness, uh, Emily <laughs> shared her Spotify Wrapped uh, podcast and have to say, Manuel, who the number one podcast was on her list, all of the above, beating out the likes of the New York Times, NPR, and some other publications that, that will not get named right now. But just want to say... Uh, that's a beautiful thing. And thank you, Emily, for for the uh, the love and the recognition.
0: Yeah, that's super dope. That's, yeah, that was incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, thank you so much, all of the Above family, uh, for your support. We definitely appreciate that. Being full-time educators and running the show and just life and all that stuff, especially in these times, uh, quite difficult, quite difficult. So thank you so much for that. If you are brand new to our show, if this is your first time listening to an All of the Above episode, um, just a, a reminder, these are passing periods here. We don't have any guests today. This is just Jeff and I talking about some stories that maybe didn't make it into our most recent full episode, but our most recent full episode with um, Ken Shelton went, man, Jeff, I have received some great feedback from a lot of folks about just how powerful that discussion was with Ken. And um, of course, the episode before that with Michael Essien and and just, yeah, I mean, y'all could scroll through. Y'all could scroll through your feed and see all the, all the dope guests that we've had over, over time. So yeah, good stuff, good stuff happening over here as we continue to try to build a more humanizing, a better, a more loving school system for for children all across the nation. And with that, Jeff, What's going on in the news, man? So, I mean, I'm, I'm just feeling all the love right now. So I'm assuming public schools are feeling feeling the love as well. So do we have maybe a headline or a story about um, the love that's out there for the public school system?
1: <laughs> uh, it depends on how you look at it, Manuel. Uh, so we do have a major story uh, that is in the news this week. I guess I wouldn't call it a story story. We had a major headline-grabbing opinion piece in the news, ostensibly, okay, allegedly, written by one Michael R. Bloomberg, a billionaire who's become even more of a billionaire during the pandemic, so we'll, we'll you know hold that thought for a moment. Um, also former uh, three term, because he bought a third term, mayor of New York City, former abysmally tragic presidential candidate, and uh, current backer of charter schools writ large. Okay, so Bloomberg and uh, his philanthropic op- operation gives away a lot of money. So, you know, for what it's worth, credit to them, I guess, for that. But... Um, his philanthropy announced is giving away 750 million dollars to promote charter school expansion, operations, growth um, across, uh, in theory, across the whole country, although I'm sure they're going to you know, have some targeting of resources here. That's not really captured in what uh, in what he wrote. So uh, bombshell, um, headline grabbing piece in the most fitting publication that it could appear in. Manuel, okay, <laughs> it's in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, so billionaire uh, <laughs> Mike Bloomberg, who owns you know a, half the national media or something like that, um, has some policy people, a PR firm and maybe a college intern or two, write a piece for him that he gets to put his name on. And I'll put money on that. I got no evidence. But come see me, Mike Bloomberg. No way in hell he wrote this piece (laughs) at all. I I would put I'd put ten dollars on like, did he even actually see it before it it was published? But, um, you know, let's let's give him credit for at least that signing off on it. Uh, But, you know, bought his way to a um, much longer than usual uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, where he eloquently waxes about the failures of American public schools and the tragedy of the unions, teacher unions specifically, that are uh, the root cause or one of the root causes of that failure and uh, waxes poetically about the um, the fact that we have a proven alternative, which is charter schools, for which he conveniently cites one example, uh, the Success Academies uh, in New York City, which I have some uh, plenty of interesting personal thoughts about and some experience with. And, uh, you know, the, the piece starts with a very simple sentence, Manuel, American public education is broken. And uh, that pretty much, uh, describes the tenor of the entire piece. So, I'll pause there. I'm, I'm, I want to kick it to you before I, you know, get too far down the the preachy uh, in my preaching here. But um, <laughs> too far down. the it. So, <laughs> suffice it to say, uh, I I feel like there's so much to disagree with Michael Bloomberg about in this piece, and um, it is a it's a perfect encapsulation of the of the kind of danger. That the charter movement poses to what I would argue is our most important public institution, if we want to someday be a democracy, uh, which is public schools. So, Manuel, what you thinking?
0: Yeah, well, obviously, giant amount of money, but uh, my eyes go first and foremost, to the lovely illustration that's at the top of this piece. And the illustration was by uh, artist named David Klein. And for those of you who, who have not seen this piece floating around, um, the illustration shows a, a crumbling public school made to look like a, a broken flower pot. And, you know, the dirt is like pouring out of it and all that. And there's a, a fresh, beautiful flower that has sprouted out of that crumbling pot of a public school to reveal a glistening charter school with a brave American flag waving atop it. And Jeff, that's just a beautiful vision. I I, I didn't realize public schools were failing this bad. Um, I'm shocked. I mean, I don't know why we aren't talking about this. American public education is broken, Jeffrey. I don't know if you realize that, um, but you know now reading this piece and I'm just thankful for billionaires to come in and and to save it. So, you know, I I had been wondering why Michael Bloomberg doesn't pay much taxes. Uh, this billionaire who's uh evidently like the top twenty richest person in the world, something like that, something up there. Multiple, multiple, multiple billions. Um, according to ProPublica, his um the amount he paid in taxes, his his tax rate is about 1.3%. And, you know, I was wondering, why isn't he paying more taxes? Now I know Jeff, is because he wanted to save money to bravely save the public education system <laughs> by having this 750 yes. million for charter schools yeah as a very proud public school educator uh this is my 18th year in the classroom and i just fully fully believe that public education is a non-negotiable like there cannot be a functioning healthy society uh, particularly a democracy um when you don't allow everybody to have access to high quality free education. I just really believe that this institution is one that any nation that is serious about uh, freedom and democracy uh, should support. Um, So that being the case, yeah, I can't stand, I just cannot stand the ongoing narratives about the public education system being broken and especially broken to an extent that it needs to be divested from. So for those who might not fully, you know, know much about charters or whatever. And honestly, Jeff, it's I feel like it's been a couple of years since sort of the the really strong charter school movement was like loud and out there. This this almost feels like a throwback type of, of piece here. But in any case, you know, these are publicly funded schools, but they are privately run. So this is taking public dollars and shifting them over to private hands to let them test and play around with different ways to offer education. And um, as is evident in this piece, since he only points out Success Academy for their, um, for their apparent success. A lot of charter schools, a lot of charter schools do not make it. I think something around the neighborhood of like half of charter schools don't make it. And the ones that do make it largely is because of how selective they are able to be with their enrollment. So as a public school teacher who takes any student at any time of year, who comes into my classroom, regardless of what happened Uh, regardless of what circumstances place them in our school in the middle of the year or whatever like I just believe that that's that's our our duty that's our 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 charge is to support every single student who walks through our doors and a lot of these most successful charter schools I mean we could go on and on about this you probably would know more about this than I do Jeff because you uh, worked in New York City before where a lot of these really successful quote-unquote charter schools um are at but like a lot of these charter schools are able to have a wait list and have particular uh, particular requirements that make it so that those teachers, that those schools aren't going to have a student pop in in the middle of February who maybe just got expelled from another school or maybe got a new housing placement because they're in the foster system. They're just not going to, they just don't have to deal with those sorts of things. So um, if we want to dig into the details, Jeff, we we can certainly do that now um, because yeah, this throwing money at charter schools and and using the pandemic as an excuse to like speed up the, the means by which public schools, traditional public schools are divested from yeah, this is this is trash. In his piece, he starts like early. Out, after that, American public education is broken. Line. Um, he goes into the pandemic and how students have experienced severe learning loss. And he says, severe learning loss. Quote: Because schools remained closed. Even when vaccinations were available to teachers, so that you know goes right through to the you know talking points from those folks who were demanding schools to open even when it wasn't safe and all that. And it's just a a whole lot of learning loss rhetoric, a whole lot of public schools are failing rhetoric, a whole lot of test scores haven't gone up in decades rhetoric. And because of all that, let's build up these charter schools, let private groups run schools, and Jeff, that's just a, a not not a path towards high-quality public education for students across the entire country, no matter where they live, no matter um, all that. So, yeah, man, it's it's really, really trash. The, the the illustration is comical. It's really, really hilarious to me, this public school in a, a flower pot that's, like, broken in this brave charter school sprouting out of it. But, yeah, man, I'm not a fan, Jeff. I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm not a fan either uh, of this you know <laughs> of many things that are going on in this piece right here okay so there there's literally probably 20 things that are said in this uh, in this piece that I just I think are like either The hypocrisy is just dripping from his mouth uh, as he's saying these words um, or are just like manipulations of of a a more complex truth or just kind of outright a little bit ridiculous. Right. Um, There is one point that I think he is actually right about that that we should explore a bit. But first, we just need to, like, chop this dude down a little bit and, uh, and break down. Break down, excuse me, some of these uh, these points here. So, um, as you said, the the sort of typical like, well, let's look at the NAEP scores. The NAEP scores aren't moving. America's not going to be competitive on the you know on the PISA or the you know these international assessments. So we have to destroy public education and rebuild it into something else. Is funny because none of the countries that we love to compare ourselves with, like Finland and, you know, Taiwan and, you know, these other very high-performing school systems around the world are doing what Michael Bloomberg is talking about, right? Like, none of them are, are saying, you know what we need to do is just have charter schools everywhere, and that's how we got here, right? Like, actually, most of those countries do the opposite of what people like Michael Bloomberg want to do. They have very robust social welfare states. They have lower poverty rates and certainly much lower child poverty rates than we have. And they pay teachers more. They value the profession of teaching more. Teachers teach less in terms of hours of the day spent in front of students and have more and hopefully adequate, but certainly vastly more time to actually do the work it takes to be good at their job during their day. And they don't have to just bring all that work home with them to work nights and weekends and burn themselves out so they leave the profession after a few years. So it's kind of ironic that, um, you know, they use this piece of evidence to like, compared to all these other countries, we're not doing as well. when they set, they being quite literally people like Michael Bloomberg set policies and uphold policies and fund very directly politicians who uphold policies that do direct harm to the families of the the students he supposedly cares so much about, right? That suppress wages, that make housing stability difficult to maintain in cities, especially places like New York, which Bloomberg loves so much, right? and then says, look at how the public schools haven't, uh, haven't compensated for the you know, catastrophes of, of late capitalism that you have literally caused yourself. Okay? Um, now, that's even setting aside the fact that this dude is straight up a robber baron you know, billionaire. Okay? You don't become a billionaire by working hard. You become a billionaire by raping and pillaging as you go. OK, directly in your companies by underpaying your employees and by extension through your massive investments and in holdings and real estate and other kind of things that are exacerbating the problems that create the poverty, the trauma, the instability, the mass incarceration, etc. And speaking of mass incarceration. The the best part of the article, (laughs) Manuel, uh, I'm gonna read for folks here. Uh, It says, unless we have the courage to rebuild public education from the bottom up, we will continue to doom our most vulnerable to a life of poverty and in too many cases, incarceration. That is, it would be funny if it wasn't just insulting, coming from Mike Bloomberg, who is literally the king. Of stop and frisk, okay? When I was a teacher and an educator in New York City working uh, in schools that were literally right across the street from a bunch of different um, housing projects in uh, East Harlem and the South Bronx. And also, then when I was a coach, I worked with a network of schools, many of which were serving literally the, the like blocks and zip codes that the stop and frisk program that was declared unconstitutional, that Michael Bloomberg fought against and appealed to try to keep in place, literally micro-targeted the black and brown, low-income residents of New York City with laser precision to simply harass, detain, instigate conflict with, dehumanize, and radically ramp up, uh, you know, mass incarceration for low-level you know, stupid stuff, right? That white kids in rich areas just don't even get bothered for, or they get a you know slap on the wrist and, and brought home to their parents. And uh, this is Mike Bloomberg's legacy. This is clearly what he cares about. He had all the information in the world and chose to pursue that path. So it's it's hilariously, insultingly funny that he would now talk about we have to destroy public education and and do this quasi-private approach. In order to prevent incarceration of young people, okay? Um, ridiculous. So uh, there's just many layers to this, like this, Manuel, where I think we, we, ha- we sometimes get stuck in the charter versus district school conversation. And we, and we, um, we just sort of like get into ideological camps. And I understand that you know the nature of that uh, in some of these charged political debates, but we also have to like wade into the actual points of the argument here. And I think we can't divorce it from the some of these larger issues of like Michael Bloomberg is a is a predatory dude, <laughs> okay? Uh, in terms of how he has amassed his wealth in ways that directly harm the kids and communities that he's talking about, he's not in any way a credible voice on this issue. He's just simply not. And, um, you know, he was mayor of New York. He did a lot of things in the school system there, many of which honestly were things I thought were good policy and helped shake up a deeply dysfunctional, massive bureaucracy at the time that I worked in. And I saw, hey, what we're doing is better than what it was before. That said, This dude just doesn't get to be the the keeper of the flame on the discussion of, you know, educational justice for low income and black and brown communities. He just doesn't. He he has done deep harm, never apologized or made any type of restitution for that harm and continues to prey upon us. So I know this is a family friendly show, um, but Mike Bloomberg can kick rocks in my mind on this conversation.
0: Well, you said it all there, Jeff. You said I, I don't really have much more to say, folks. You you heard the man. <laughs> Wind that back if you need to. You heard the man. It's all there. Um, I guess. I guess the one thing that I will add that is just that as a classroom teacher, one of my bigger concerns nowadays, because you know, obviously, Jeff, we entered the profession around the time of you know, No Child Left Behind, and, and so much uh, billionaire money going into. Uh, influencing education policy in in various ways, from you know the Gates's to Carnegies and all that. Um, so in that in that way, this is all throwback to kind of that era of, of big billionaires thinking they have the solution. Big billionaires thinking they could throw around their money, not thinking, knowing they could throw around their money and influence what happens on the ground, um, which is a, a poor way to go about your education policy. But one of the differences here is is some of the some of the things that are that are mentioned in his piece, some of these phrases you're starting to hear pop up from the really fringe right-wing anti-CRT crowd. So he said something, you know, in his piece, he poses the question, how about reading, writing, and arithmetic? And, you know, that's one of the things you're hearing from a lot of these folks who are behind these bands on anything dealing with race, anything dealing with uh, even just cultural responsiveness or um, or even SEL now is this idea that like schools are wasting time on trying to quote-unquote indoctrinate students. They need to be focusing on reading, writing, arithmetic. This is why we're being left behind by China and all these other countries, this, that, whatever, whatever. And when you have a big billionaire um, helping to contribute to the narrative that public schools are failing and that they're failing because they don't know what they're doing and they should be focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic, that really helps support this this other movement against public schools, which is this movement to um, hold up white supremacy and to continue to uphold the status quo. And one concern that I have as a classroom teacher is sort of the the coming together of those those two folks, and, and you know maybe it's not two different factions, maybe they're one in the same all along. But your the attack on public schools, it's not just the classic like public schools aren't doing enough to move test scores attack anymore. It's now also the uh, public schools are indoctrinating our young people attacks as well. And the coming together of those two attacks, the the impact that c- that can have as more and more folks actively Pursue spots on school boards to, you know, strip away whatever what they consider to be critical race theory-inspired stuff. And as as all that happens, it's just it worries me that the attacks on public schools will get continue to get stronger in a point where it's like real tangible changes uh, to what students are receiving as um, you know education services. And that that part to me is the element. Now he himself to be. I guess, fair, I guess, whatever. In his piece, he, does, he doesn't bring up anything related to uh, CRT or cultural responsiveness or anything like that. Uh, he does, you know, prop up black and brown folks as like, you know, the folks he's concerned about and he wants to close that quote-unquote achievement gap. Um, but, you know, he himself doesn't point to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and things like that as being problematic. But if you see who has amplified his piece, at least just looking at Twitter, uh, looking at folks who like quote tweeted his piece and had their own little commentary a lot of the folks who are in support of it are also those folks that are uh very much saying public schools are just indoctrinating our kids kids aren't learning anything useful they're just being taught to hate america this that whatever so um if that's who's supporting his 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 move here then that tells you that there are dangerous uh dangerous days ahead in terms of the ongoing attacks on our public education system and we need some strong leadership to like hold up and And just like defend public schooling as we know it. And we're just, I feel like we're just not getting that from um, prominent enough people. I feel like generally speaking, for example, I don't think um, the Biden administration is doing much to like really, really defend public schooling and combat these attacks on critical race theory and all this stuff. It's kind of just like crickets. So, yeah, man, dangerous stuff.
1: I absolutely uh, think you, you hit on a very important point there, Manuel. That um, that yeah, that we there is a uh, there is a largely bipartisan consensus. I think at, at that level of government that um, that is that ranges from on the sort of centrist Democrat side, um, just like not caring much about public schools. Which I think is kind of the stance of the Biden administration. It was the stance of the Obama administration as well. Like the the window dressing is there, but the real like uh, fight for public schools as a as a bedrock institution of democracy was absolutely not you know a major commitment, right? Um, And they did like real structural harm with race to the top in terms of uh, incentivizing states to remove their caps on charter expansion. And that is, like, very clearly, there's no, there's no ambiguity. We don't have to wonder about motivations here, right? Like, that is very clearly the strategy that folks like Mike Bloomberg um, and his sort of class of people have taken to say, we're not going to be able to just get rid of public schools right away. But what we're going to do is cripple them and then grow charter schools and then wage a public Uh, You know, PR campaign that tells people, see, look how bad the public schools are. We, you know, we need more charters. Right. Um, And they've been largely very successful in that, despite the numbers that you talked about in the beginning that that show that like, especially when charters are asked to do the same work that their public district schools were uh, previously doing in places like New Orleans, right, which is like the weird neoliberal fantasy zone where, like, we're just going to erase the public school system and replace it all with charters. What do we see? Largely the same results that we saw before. And that's not to pat ourselves on the back for that, right? <laughs> that's to say, like, this this is messed up. Things need to change. And maybe the, maybe we have to think about this problem differently. Because even when folks like Mike Bloomberg got their dream, they couldn't produce the results, right? Because you know what? Poverty does matter and structural racism and oppression environmental racism do matter. And if we're gonna solve this challenge we face in uh, seeing the kind of public education that we know, the students and families that we serve deserve, we're going to have to take a more kind of interdisciplinary approach, right? We're not going to be able to just simply do what folks like Mike Bloomberg are advocating here, especially by highlighting, you know, like the Success Academy network in New York City uh, and just say like, you know what? Poverty, environment, structural racism, historical stuff, you know, police, violence, all these things don't matter. We're just going to have great charter schools and then all these problems will be fine it'll be the beautiful meritocracy of american capitalism that that you know that we all know is the right way to do everything uh you know and and we'll just solve all of our problems that way right like this is the idea that they're going for that they're selling to us this is their path forward to weaken and ultimately you know hopefully hopefully in their eyes destroy um, public education and, well, I have to say, I, I do some work with charter schools uh, in my consulting practice. I know many great educators who run charter schools. Um, and I've been to some charter schools where I'm like, this is a great school. I would definitely send my kid here. Right. right? For sure. Um, so we, I, don't, I don't think we can just paint charter schools with one uh, you know, broad brush stroke. However... What I feel like is lacking from folks on that side is the, is the recognition that, like, your movement is being used, is being weaponized against the traditional public school system, and we can't, we, we simply can't ignore that fact, right? Um, so I'm not saying we should close all the charter schools and, and, you know, have a war against charter schools, but we have to think... Not in the way that a philanthropist thinks, which is like, what do I want and what's in my interest? We have to think in a democratic way, which is like, what's in the interest of society and the community? And uh, how do we protect institutions that are fundamental and important as public institutions, not quasi-private institutions? And uh, I've seen very little willingness from charter folks to, like, go there, you know? Um, And just outright weaponization of of that movement by people like Mike Bloomberg in in exactly this way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You say we have to think in a democratic way in a what's best for society type of way, because, Jeff, that would require everybody agreeing that um, we all have a place in a democracy and we all have a place in society and that uh, freedom is for everybody, not just for uh, those who have historically had it and um, yeah, we got some work to do on that front Jeff because I think there are a lot of folks out there who are uh, terrified at the reality that um, racialized folks and folks from all different walks of life are um, requesting the equality that they deserve And um, we're seeing this uh, spearhead into division all across the board and and um, some really ugly ugly stuff out there in terms of folks fighting for, Um, quote unquote, their child's education um, at the expense of others. So yeah, man, what's new? What's new? There's a lot lot going on, a lot going on in the sense of, um, you know, hard work to do, hard work to do, but not work that we are not capable of, not a struggle that there's no struggle ahead that we're not capable of of finding success in. We just got to continue to um, fight that good fight and um, help advocate and help educate folks as to what's happening. Just like you just did, Jeff. For a lot of folks who maybe didn't have much of a uh, lens on Mike Bloomberg and his history and and what he's really about, I think you really laid that out quite clearly for folks. Um, so yeah, man.
1: Hey, before we before we wrap on this, man. Well, yeah. there's one piece of this that I that I actually think Bloomberg is right about, and. Um, is a persistent vulnerability for those of us who care in who who really care about public education not quasi public education, uh, which is the the sort of um, the point he makes that like teacher union's job is to care about their members, not to make education policy, and that often those two things can come into conflict right like the interests of students educationally and the interests as they are often framed in typical collective bargaining negotiations of educators. Now, I think the way Bloomberg frames it is like we should, you know, the sort of quote-unquote students first and to hell with the educators. They're just like, you know, factory line workers and, and we'll do whatever we tell them to do. It like is obviously problematic in my mind um, that, you know, like the these they are putting these as juxtaposed values that I don't think have to be juxtaposed right like the interests of teachers and students converge or should in an ethical <laughs> practice converge more than they diverge um but it's just a it's just a weakness for us man that like there are too many examples where uh where I think on our side unions take stances that are not radically Different than the kind of stances, the kind of like ridiculousness that we see maybe most uh, clearly in like police unions or prison guard unions, where like you just see a certain type of behavior that's like, how can you how can you stand by something that's just like morally untenable, um, you know, and where your interests as the un- quote unquote union are oppositional to the welfare of the community and I think we have examples like that in our profession and we, we have to work on them. I don't see us doing that and I think it leaves us in a perpetually vulnerable place um, to exactly this kind of attack and this kind of rhetoric. Um, and you know, and at the same time, let's be transparent. Like currently I'm not in a union. When I last was, I was an administrator. And I obviously speak from an administrator's perspective and, and with some of that, you know, both perspective and bias, I guess I should say. So, um, Manuel, you know, one of the great things about our show is this kind of administrator and teacher discourse that maybe doesn't get to happen everywhere um, with, you know, with, with like respect, uh, <laughs> at least. So, um, I don't know, hearing me say that, what, what's your perspective on that?
0: Uh, I mean, one thought that comes to mind is even if changes to sort of our discourse around unions and unions lens and focus, even if all that happens, like these attacks on public education are going to continue. So if anything, the last several years have taught us that um, thinking about what might help um, steer the argument in your favor against somebody who is directly and actively trying to tear you apart. Yeah, they don't, that that's, stuff's not going to make a difference. He'll, he'll find some other angle. And those out there who who fight against public school, the public school system as it exists, they'll still continue their fight and they'll find something else. So like, yeah, so immediately my main thinking is that, well, Perhaps, perhaps um, we have that area of vulnerability in these discussions when you point to particular activities that um, unions have done or particular policies that unions have advocated for. But to me, that's like like such a small bit of it in terms of the larger question about the attack on American public education generally. And And then the other thinking I have is that. It's largely thanks to my union. It's largely thanks to unions uh, period that like my school doesn't experience the amount of attrition and the amount of just challenges that a lot of these charter schools that shut down do experience. Uh, a lot of teachers at these charter schools that are on the half of charter schools that fail and shut down. Um, a lot of it is the the overworking. A lot of it is the just like all the things that that crush a laborer when the union isn't there to support their basic worker rights and their basic dig- dignity. So, so yeah, I mean, I hear you. Yeah, area, area for growth, area for improvement, for sure. Uh, unions definitely, you know, my union also definitely advocates for certain things that I think aren't really necessarily in the best interest of education or education policy, but at the same time without them, um, yeah. And I know you're not here saying that we don't need, we shouldn't have them or anything. I'm just saying, like, even if you totally remove the union from the equation, even if some for some somehow some way unions got dismantled across the country, um, that would just be the first phase in the continual destruction of public education as we know it. In any case, so I guess it's for me it's one of those like, yeah, you make some great points. However. I don't think that necessarily is going to shift this in a major enough way as to uh, lead to a more robust, high-quality public education system nationally, not in the face of these kind of billionaire attacks. These billionaires like to attack Jeff. They got all that money. Why don't they just go somewhere and just... Just freaking <laughs> chill on their yacht, uh, man. Why do they insist your, on crushing count your everybody your private else? private
1: jets, Bloomberg. Count Seriously. private jets, man. <laughs> Leave us alone. Man. Uh, yeah, no, I I hear you, man. I, I, Honestly, if I could, like, snap my fingers and have one thing in education, I mean, there's probably a million things that would be that one thing, but, like, I I want so desperately because you're right. I'm not a, like objectively. I'm not an anti-union person. I believe in in the importance of unions. And you know, frankly, the reason we don't have 75 kids in the classroom in the hood in this country is because of unions. Then no, you know, right. it's not because of the goodwill of policymakers. Um, so. I recognize all that, and there's just so many moments where I'm like, damn it, we shoot ourselves in the foot on stuff like this, and there's no reason we should seed the ground of like, what does good educational practice look like? How do you operationalize it in the school? There's no reason that people like Mike Bloomberg should be seen as the authority on this issue. Like, this dude is a clown and doesn't know anything really about this, um, and uh, frankly, has like hostile ideas to, <laughs> to yep. the na- you know the notion of public school as an institution. So, um, you know, it just it frustrates me a lot that I feel like we we have not created and and sort of t- seized the mantle uh, on this issue. I, you know, we've talked about this a few times over the years on the show, but I you know I just feel like ah, we, this is within our control, within our grasp, and we don't do it. And I think too many times our, our unions like undermine efforts to do this by, um, you know, by just like feeding into to, uh, to, you know, the, the fodder for this kind of attack. And it, it frustrates me. So I know it's complicated, but I'm also like, man, we can do better and we need to do better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. And, um, Folks, as we said at the start of the the show today, these passing periods, we drop them in, in between our full episodes because these passing periods don't require nearly as much time to edit and produce as our full episodes, um, which have the video component. And that being said, I'll be transparent with you. We are recording this on December 4th, on Saturday, December 4th. And we would be remiss if we did not... Um, for one, acknowledge that December 4th is the the date upon which Fred Hampton was murdered. And I can't help but think what these last 52 years would have looked like if so many of our leaders in the 60s, particularly the young leaders of the, the Black Panther Party across the nation, including Bunchy Carter over here in Los Angeles, um, what these 52 years would have looked like if those young leaders with so much love for the community and so many great ideas for supporting the community and lifting com- the community were allowed to to lead and to work towards liberation of their community um, versus being gunned down by um, by the United States of America. So Fred Hampton, shout out to Fred Hampton. Rest in peace for sure. And also this December 4th, we are recording this as headlines are popping up on my phone, about the parents of the most recent school shooter being arrested. So we definitely want to acknowledge and send our love and support to the families of the victims of the shooting in Michigan. And sad to say, we've been recording the show for a very long time, and there have been many school shootings over the course of the span of all of the above. And we tend not to spend a lot of time on this show, talking about them. Although, I mean, we certainly have had many uh, do now stories, many news stories in our full episodes related to um, ongoing disputes about what to do about school shootings. And in this case, I don't know what you want to say about it, Jeff, or if you have much to say, I am pleased to see that the parents have been arrested. I mean, that's, I guess, the wrinkle in this particular case that I think keeps it in the news because there have been so many school shootings that like are news for one day, if that, and then just like fade away. And for this one, I feel like it's only still in the news. I'm only seeing notifications in my phone around it because in this case, the parents were found to be so grotesquely irresponsible that charges were pressed and the parents withdrew 4,000 from an ATM, which wow, 4,000. Just straight up ATM withdrawal. And we're on the run and we're just arrested. So I think that kind of elevated it in the news cycle, which is really, really tragic because it shouldn't take the it shouldn't take all this extra stuff to like actually have it be a a real news story that gets attention. But sadly, we have had so many of these of these massacres on our school campuses that it kind of takes a new wrinkle like this to it for it to even stay in the news cycle for more than a day. So yeah, love and all that to the families of those victims. And that's, I got no other words on that, man.
1: Yeah, no, I I would just echo that, Manuel, and also extend uh, just some, some, you know, hugs from afar to all the educators in, uh, you know, not only in, uh, what is it, Oakland, Michigan, but also across Michigan, where I have been hearing reports that like lots of schools uh, in Michigan were closed at different points this week because of additional, you know, threats or concerns about, about violence and like that. It's just, it's hard to be an educator and to carry that in, you know, that type of uh, emotional weight um, and hold safe space for young people during that time. And, you know, the last thing we needed at this point in history is like more heavy emotional labor labor for educators to take on. So shout out to, you know, all the educators across from Michigan who are, um, who are doing everything you can to, uh, to keep kids feeling safe at a time that already feels uncertain. And, and, um, you know, Props and respect to you all. I hope, you know, I hope some healing comes uh, comes everybody's way soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. The um, Thanksgiving break that feels like a month or two ago already um, <laughs> may or may not have impacted the calendar. So next Saturday, next Saturday, you may or may not receive another passing period as we prep for the next full episode with a uh, super dope guest um, who is... A long supporter of the show, actually, who will um, be joining us in, in some time, maybe a week or two. So if you get another passing period next weekend, it's because we are working hard on the full episode. And in any case, you're always going to get something uh, each weekend from all of the above because we keep it rolling whether we have our full, uh, you know, whether our, our real life as educators uh, interrupts or or not. We still keep it rolling. So we will catch you next week right here. If you haven't already, uh like, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever, whatever your platform has for positive feedback, hit that because we uh very much appreciate that. And we are two, I think just two YouTube subscribers away from the next like I think from 900 I think is around where we're at. So, yeah, head on over to our YouTube channel and subscribe even if you don't really spend time on YouTube. Um Go ahead and subscribe to us just in case, just in case one day you're scrolling through the YouTubes and uh, want to get some really dope educational content um, right there for you. So with that all being said, we love y'all. We hope this is a fantastic week for everybody. Uh, December, December time, semester's wrapping up for for a lot of us. So yeah, hang in there. Keep doing the good work that you're doing. And uh, for now, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.